Hi, I'm Erin. And I'm Kimona. And this is Rebels Advocate, the podcast where we break down the shit show that is the current social climate and reframe the radical. Let's get started. Well, hey there, Kimona. Hello, Erin. Welcome back to our podcast. Here we are, same place every week. Just, just, just podcasting, you know, as we do. Per usual, I, I will say I am huge serotonin boost by these listener, these listeners of ours, because yes. you guys, there is some major traction in season two. Our listens, our downloads are like twice as high as our goal had been, or like a third. Of, of they're higher, higher than we expected it's, we had, it's great <laughs> we had a goal back in our season one wrap-up meeting and it's already like surpassed that by a lot and i am pleasantly surprised <laughs> as am i but, but it also, feels good but also when i do a little like of course it's great <laughs> we deserve this so thanks for being here on this ride with us dear listeners um, so this week, this episode, we are going to tackle quite the topic, mm. if you will, um, a topic that we've kind of skirted around the majority of this podcast, mostly because it, it deserves a full conversation. Um, and I think now is that right time to do it because it's been a year since, uh, quarantining has really begun in the United States um, like a, about a week ago or a week or two is the year marker. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think now that the vaccine is more readily available and things are progressing forward, this is a good time to reflect and look back as well as look forward and really how COVID and quarantining and working from home um, has changed everybody's life. And oh, how life has changed. It's, wow, yeah. Um, Because I'm just thinking back to a year ago, March of 2020. We were still undergraduate students. Correct. Uh, We were, were doing that. It was our senior year. Um, and it was a beautiful day out. It was so pretty. And everyone was out on eddies because, uh, admin had told us, Hey, uh, go home. We're just going to extend. It's going to be an extended spring break. Uh, yeah, that's not what it was not an extended spring break. It was supposed to be three weeks turned into no graduation. Uh, and here we are. I avoided eddies that day. Like the plague. I was like, Hello. They're pretty much announcing that the pandemic is beginning and Fordham students decided that that was a great idea to gather in a very small space as close as possible. Right. It wasn't you the did most it, didn't you? I was you, there. You, I was on Eddie's. Did it. Um, and for the listeners who don't know Fordham, Eddie's, Eddie's is our like, it, it's like a, this big green space in the middle of campus. It's our, it's our quad. Yeah. Like, so, like, everyone was outside. It's not like we all packed into a building. 
Um, so at least it was that. And also, like, nobody knew how serious this was going to get or that it was, like, that crazy. We were all like, ha school's closed. Um, Shame. Yeah, but... <laughs> <laughs> i've been really good about covid things since no, then you have, you have. Just um, like, it was just that just moment just... that moment i didn't realize that this was like legitimately like oh a deadly pandemic is coming for us and like we have to like worry about that i was like yeah let's all day drink on eddie's cool well that's totally true though that that sense of how how big of a problem is this? Like when they shut down school and like I remember being so the preparation of professors being like, oh, we might have classes online. Let's like kind of talk this through like what we might do. And I was like, is this really going to happen? Like and maybe if it is, it'll be farther away from now. I feel like everyone's been a little dramatic. Masks we're not a thing Mm -mm. and like people who did wear masks are like it's not airborne what are you doing you're crazy um and even a couple weeks before that when it was just a casual conversation of like it's trickling into the u.s now i i i mean and here's my shame card i said to a girl who was going to be traveling to a different country for um spring break I think and she was like talking about like I don't know if I should cancel my trip blah 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 blah. um and like we had no information yet so I just looked at her and I was like I would never let the fear of this stop me from going on a vacation (laughs) Erin no you did not I did because it was so because like this was preemptive it was like a month before so we we were all still under the impression that people were blowing it out of proportion. Yeah. Because we were not getting any information yet from the CDC and certainly not from the government. Um, and travel hadn't really been talked about about that at all yet. And I was like, that's so dramatic. Especially- and then, of course, I totally ate my own yeah. words and I didn't go on my spring break either. Um, and mine was not international. <laughs> see i will say um it was i didn't have spring break spring break plans and i was like low-key high-key really sad about it because like other friends of mine had spring break plans and i was like wow i'll have gone through undergrad without ever going on spring break like without a reason for not doing that um and then you know it worked in my favor (laughs) because pandemic hit and they didn't go on spring break either which like not I'm not laughing, like, at them for, like, missing out on this trip, but I just think it's funny that, like, this is what I was, like, so focused on when, like, oh, we got bigger fish to fry, like a pandemic. I mean, it was a really hard decision to not go on my trip. I Mine was on March 15th was Sam and I were only going to go visit his family. Like, they weren't quintessential college spring break plans. Um, and my parents called the night before and like begged me not to go, but not because of the travel issue. It was the fear of, okay, there's talk about like travel being closed down. So we were afraid that I would get stuck in Georgia and then school would open up again and I wouldn't be able to get back. So my parents like begged me not to go. We canceled our trip and that day started quarantining. Um, But what I, this whole, 
tangent was to say that, you know, the severity of it really wasn't clear when they canceled school because it was so out of the blue. So many things changed so quickly that I only pat like I quarantined from the 15th for 10 days in my apartment in New York. And then it was clear it was going to be a longer. So Sam and I decided let's, let's go to Jersey. It's not far. Let's go. Um, let's stay with my parents. They want us there anyway. My younger brother had already come back from college to stay with them. Um, just because we had a tiny apartment. What were we going to do? It was already starting to get a little boring. So I, we figured at least we can go outside. Like suburbs sounds better. Um, which was definitely the right choice, but I only packed for enough clothes for maybe two weeks. Oh, and then, um, yeah. (laughs) And then I never went to my apartment again until I had to move out. (laughs) Yeah. That's kind of similar with how it was when when (laughs) we were kicked out of our residence at Fordham um I I say kicked out like yeah kicked out but like because everyone thought that we were coming back in three weeks so like I took stuff to get me through three weeks and then that three weeks turned into indefinitely turned into you're not moving out of your apartment until the end of June. So that was a very interesting time. I mean, the good thing is that I was home with my family. So like, you know, I can steal my mom's clothes, my sister's clothes, stuff like that. But it was really just like such a, like no one was prepared for that. No, not at all. And And I, I was very on top of it. So clearly like I ate my words many times over this and I think that's what people need to realize like as you get more information it's okay to change your mind and then become very adamant about the thing that is now now that you have new information I quickly as soon as I learned that I was like oh absolutely not do not travel if you're going on spring break you're an asshole um and like tbh if you went on spring break I think you're an asshole um but a lot of people did that and a lot of people did variations of that and, you know, there's a lot of reasons, but yeah, it's just, it's so crazy that that's how we ended our college experience. So abrupt, no preparation, no time to say goodbye to any of our friends. Like I still haven't seen some of my very best friends um, since that day or a couple of days before if I hadn't seen them. Um, which is bizarre. I spent my whole college experience seeing these people every single day. And you, we were supposed to get a college graduation to say goodbye to each other. And Not like you mentioned all of the senior celebration events that we missed out on all of these th- things where you're supposed to be able to spend time with these people who, you know, you might not be in the same place like you are now again with. So, yeah, we, I, I grieved a lot in those first few months and it was really hard. And as it was for a lot of people, especially anyone in a variation of class of 2020, I think a lot of people who even weren't in class 2020 felt that, like very sad for high school seniors and college seniors. And, you know, it's just stuff that we can't get back. And of course, it's not to say that it really is that serious. It isn't. I've moved on. I'm not really upset about it anymore. Um, 
and other people have lost so, so much more. Um, but everyone without exception lost something from this last year of not being able to go on trips or concerts or awards. There was a lot of things that you prepare for and are excited about and get taken away people's weddings. And it's very sad. Um, and I think that that's a level of empathy that people had to start feeling for others Mm -hmm. Um, because it was a collective journey that we were all going through. Like no matter how wealthy you are, you're still going through it too. And of course, wealthy people were affected drastically different. Um, But I think there is some sense of community knowing that everyone is suffering Um, and knowing that your experience is not yours alone. I feel like that's something that in times of grief and mourning, you often feel like you're the only one who's ever gone through it. Um, even if you know that's not true, Mm -hmm. but I think that that was a very helpful grace period of knowing that you didn't have to necessarily explain yourself because you could just be like, yeah, I'm not doing well because no one is. Which was so important. Um, But I think it's also, like, we're now in a weird place where things have changed, but also not. And yet, that that kind of, like, being able to just be like, yeah, no, I'm still, like, we're still in a pandemic. Uh, We're still... Which people forget. Yes, a lot of people are starting to forget that. Um, Like, we should still be able to be like, yeah, no, I'm not doing well because, like, we're still in a pandemic. These things are still happening. They're still affecting us. Uh, Like, for example, I'm graduating again um, from my my, my grad program. Uh, My graduation is virtual again. I get a second virtual graduation. And the combination of, of that plus it being this time again where I'm remembering last year honestly has hit me like a truck like I just like it feels like I'm mourning my senior year all over again even though it's not exactly the same but it's like wow who would have thought that anyone would have two virtual graduations yeah it's heartbreaking because this is something you know you work really hard for and it's something that you deserve a celebration for and it does feel very minimized um but at the end of the day that's like what I just kept saying to myself uh last year was like at the end of the day I still have a degree this day and that's what I've been working for Mm -hmm. for four years and that's what I've really been working for since I was in kindergarten was to get a college degree someday and I did that and so I think that's it is hard and it is a big lesson and a lot of work for us to all realize that we really have to reframe our mental health to be like, no, we have to look for silver linings and positivity or else this is going to eat at us. Um, And I mean, everyone's been going through a really deep sense of loss and depression and, you know, this winter being in a winter season during a pandemic, Mm -hmm. that was the first time we had to deal with that. And that was, combination of seasonal depression and it not to mention a lot of us 
like myself, are actually facing regular depression every day. <laughs> so it was just like piled on. Um, so it, it's been extraordinarily, dif- extraordinarily difficult. And I personally have been very just like roller coaster. I go through really bad times and re- better times. Um, but I'll be, I'll be honest, I have been not doing well um, at all. And it's hard <laughs> because there's a sense of that mental health of feeling like, oh, it's kind of over. Like, get over it, Erin. Like, it's been a year. But you don't get to just automatically exempt yourself from feeling feelings. And, you know, I, I, it's, it's hard to explain, but I know that everyone probably resonates with it. Um but yeah, we're definitely. Still, we're still very much in that time and still suffering and still losing things and still adjusting. And I'm a planner. I'm a I'm a mm. Virgo. I'm a <laughs> um well, rising and moon Virgo, which makes it even more Virgo. Oh boy. Um huge planner. I plan every moment of my life. So the fact that I've had to just roll with the punches for the last year. I don't know how to do that. And it's been very hard. (laughs) Yeah, I am not exactly a planner, but I will say that I am a person who deals with just regular generalized anxiety. Uh, I have generalized anxiety disorder. So like, right, like when you already have mental health issues and then um, not only... Like, I don't, like, for me, it's like, oh, if I leave my home, like, I might die. And, like, usually that's, like, oh, that's just, like, an anxiety thought. There's no real anything in there. But, like, mm, I could maybe actually catch a disease and die now. Like, it's less likely. Less unlikely. Correct. (laughs) Yes. I also don't know how to use grammar anymore. So that's fun. (laughs) (laughs) It's those virtual degrees. Yeah, they don't teach grammar in grad school, guys. Oops. Yeah, tragic. <laughs> well, yeah, I think it's important that we, you know, share a little bit about of our, our stories and our experiences over the last year because I think so many people globally can relate to certain feelings we've been having. And certainly a lot of people who uh, were part of the class of 2020 and any sort of variation um, or lost something large, uh, can resonate with what we've experienced. Luckily, I personally don't know anyone in my personal immediate life um, who passed from COVID. Thank the universe. Uh, but I do know a lot of people who lost loved ones during the pandemic and or, you know, couldn't see their grandparents or constantly worried. L- luckily, my most of my grandparents have passed on and I thought about that constantly during the pandemic mm-hmm. like if my grandmother was here for this oh my god I'd be even more on edge um and like yeah. I don't know how she would have handled it so I was kind of like wow for once I'm kind of glad she wasn't here for this um but yeah I think it's something and I, I do want to talk about that more heavily of just the disproportionate way certain communities were affected by this far more than losing events, uh, losing lives, losing jobs, losing businesses. Um, I mean, I lost my job 
but I wasn't solely dependent on it. Um, so certainly not comparable. Um, but, you know, I, I want to acknowledge that we, we went through a struggle, but also to acknowledge that our struggle was not nearly as bad as so many millions of people uh, during this pandemic. Yeah, I also think it's really important to acknowledge that in terms of deaths and loss, it's not just the people who got COVID and died that that have suffered. There have been countless people who have died because hospitals were overwhelmed. And that alone like causes like things that are usually treatable and preventable, like that is a side effect that I, I I haven't seen too many people discussing. Like that is also like a problem that has happened because of this pandemic. And it is so sad because I'm just thinking in terms of like harm reduction um, organizations who provide like, uh, what is it? Uh, naloxone? I don't know if I'm saying that right. But like, like uh, antidotes for when people overdose. Like when you have a pandemic, happening it becomes so much more difficult to 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 just like function as as a harm reduction organization or various other kind of things like people are facing losses just all around and i it's just it's so sad yeah i mean that's very true the rest of the rest of normal life didn't stop happening exactly like people still were diagnosed with cancer. People were still dying from regular problems. Um, there was more crime. There still is more crime than there has been. The city is not as safe as it used. Well, cities are never safe, but crime has certainly increased here. Homelessness has increased drastically. Um, and living in Manhattan, I, I see it all the time. And my heart has just continuously breaks mm -hmm. um especially because like I, I take the subway i i don't i'm often faced with more communities that suffered a lot from this um especially working in healthcare mm. as an essential worker being at a hospital every day it, it's really like I, I just feel so grateful that i have been able to you know, that we were able to keep our jobs at the, our institute, that we were able, you know, healthcare, we always knew it was important, but it became like so clear that like you cannot survive without healthcare workers. And, you know, there was a surge at one point where people were like, oh, yes, essential workers like food service and delivery drivers. And there was a surge in the beginning where people were really respecting and, you know, acknowledging the hard work and sacrifices that grocery store workers and all these other people, all the sacrifices that they were making. And that has quickly dissipated, which infuriates me. Mm -hmm. I'm like, wow, you really didn't learn your lesson, didn't you? Especially, yeah. you know, the government told us that too with a big middle finger when they refused to increase minimum wage. Right. Because these people are essential, but like only in the sense that like we should clap for them. We shouldn't actually make it easier for them to survive and do their jobs. That's what that's that's what the messaging has become, which is all types of messed up and backwards and makes my blood boil. In in terms too of 
what you were saying about um, like deaths by association to COVID, mm-hmm. I would argue, obviously I don't have, I have statistics for it, but I'd argue that there was probably a lot of loss, um, death or illness or otherwise in regards to burnout of essential mm-hmm. workers, you know, constantly having to, like nurses were going in for all hours and, you know, a lot of us were just at home, whether it was because of being locked down or losing our jobs, we were at home and, you know, protected in our little bubble. And these people, grocery store workers still had, like, that was the only thing people were doing, going to grocery stores. So they all had to be there. Exactly. And, you know, delivery. I, I've never bought so much Amazon products in my life. And, you know, all these people, especially in that realm, are making little to no money to begin with and working at all hours just to get by and then are still having to go to work and see people and are not protected during a pandemic and not being able to take those precautions that a lot of people were able to do during lockdown. Um, So burnout is so extremely there. And I wouldn't be surprised if suicide rates um, increased in especially essential workers. Um, I'm sure in general, uh, mental health issues and suicide had increased over the pandemic. We all have seen that. Um, But I I would say that my hypothesis is that um, essential workers suffering from burnout and just constant exposure to this and still maybe not being able to make ends meet. Um, Hopefully you understand what I'm saying. (laughs) No, I I mean, at least I do. Um, Okay, that's what I'm working for. Yeah, (laughs) I I would agree. That is a very valid hypothesis. And I would be surprised if someone decided to take that, do some research and came across like the exact opposite. I would be like, are you sure? Um, (laughs) (laughs) But, oh, I had a thing that I did want to say. And I think my brain has eaten it. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, but I mean, I'm going to blame that on burnout because <laughs> here's the thing also uh, with universities handling the pandemic. Uh, I don't know who in their right mind started this trend that universities were going to take away spring break and then just like squish the spring semester and think that would be completely fine. Um the way Fordham did it is they gave us one day off in exchange for taking away all of spring break. And it was a Wednesday. And if you know anything about Fordham and the way their classes are scheduled, most students do not have classes on Wednesday already. Therefore, what was the point? What was the point of this random mental health day in the middle of the week that the grad school also decided to do, um, which is dumb because if I'm working already, like it doesn't, it doesn't do anything for me. Like, I'm still working. Like, the university didn't, like, close for the day. They just said you can't have class. It's- I mean, I resonate. I'm sorry that that's, that sounds very difficult in terms of schoolwork. I, look, I, I didn't have to have that at any point in my undergrad. Um, and I'm not yet back in school. Mm. But, I mean, yeah, I, I feel the same way, you know. It's already weird enough being a new post-grad, you know, adjusting to college schedules, to 
you know, like a nine to five. Yeah. Granted, my hours are not always nine to five. I worked a 12 hour shift the other day oh, um, and then had to be back only less than 12 hours later. <laughs> um, but like, you don't get a break from the real world and it, it which is hard and I have issues with it to begin with. Mm-hmm. But I feel like there should be a lesson learned from this pandemic that people need that, those breaks. Um, so I would love to see more leniency and personal time. Um, not necessarily just at my job, but just in general, like people, people deserve a break more than like the one vacation week they may get. Um, and it's just, it goes to show like you're seeing how hard people are taking this because we're humans and we're suffering. Um, as I've mentioned 2000 times, (laughs) um, that's the word of the episode suffering. Um, but yeah, yeah, I just wish, cause this, this also gets into the, this concept of going back to normal. Um, no, thank Rose. you. Let's let's not go back. Let's uh, forge a new normal, please and thanks. Because I think another a silver lining, if you will, as much as I don't really love to say that the pandemic has a silver lining, um, but I, like we have been forced to sit and reckon with the systems that we have built and the way we have society functioning, and we we have been forced to look directly at the problems. A lot of the things that are our normal just don't work or they work in a way that causes a lot of harm. We have a chance to like, I don't know, switch it up. Let's change that. Let's not do that. Why do we have to go back to the kind of workforce that's everyone has to be in the office from nine to five and you have to work then and you have to be there in person all the time and also you don't get any breaks. Um, yeah, burnout might be emphasized a little more now, but like burnout has been happening forever. That is a thing that happens if people are overworked and underpaid and don't have health care um, and all of these things. Maybe I would love if some people, if all of us could just decide to change what was normal. And yeah, I agree. Like, let's 100%. do that. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think that was perfectly said. I, 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 you know, and I've lost a tiny bit of hope with seeing that. I mm-hmm. thought it was so obvious. Like, of course, we're going to, you know, increase minimum wage care. We just all agreed that all of these um, essential workers who are living off of minimum wage, you know, deserve our respect. Um, and I thought <laughs> naively that in in that vein that we would then you know compensate them you know and then we basic didn't. human rights and we didn't and you know that f- frustrates me and does make me a little hesitant to see how people are going to adjust once we do get to a place where we're starting to go back to some level of normalcy although we're slowly getting there but you know when that when that becomes more more like it was before um because my biggest hope, and this kind of goes in with the leniency of maybe personal time and, you know, mental health, but, you know, now we've seen that all these jobs that said, no, 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 you can't work from home. I don't care if you're ill. I don't care if you're 
wife just had a baby. I don't care mm-hmm. if you just had a miscarriage. I don't care, you know, if you're going through this health crisis or your family member is or whatever. We just seen that most people don't need to be at work ever, <laughs> let alone all the time. Um, so it'd be great to see some of that implemented into normal air quotes culture of the workforce, especially, um, you know, allow people to have more of a personal life. This, the the American way of the workforce has so many issues, Mm -hmm. um, and just doesn't allow anyone to take care of their personal self-care or their families or allow for any contingencies in, you know, any kind of trauma that could come up. And we all have faced some level of that, whether it be a death or illness, um, or even something more positive, like a baby being born and just, or moving, you know, and I I would love to see some permanent change in the workforce regarding flexibility, um, as well as in, uh, for students. I know a lot of friends who have chronic health issues that prevent them from going to class in person and their universities were never accommodating in that way. And then once the pandemic happened and they were forced to virtually learn, they were getting straight A's because it was accommodating their health concerns. Um, Similarly, like you all may know that I have my my youngest, um, well, my oldest goddaughter has cancer and a lot of kids have health issues very young that prevent them from getting to school. And virtual learning and that kind of flexibility can become a extremely positive change that allows kids to stay on track. You don't have to be in person. It doesn't have to be this rigid. So that is one of my bigger hopes um, that allows people to, you know, be human <laughs> in, yes. in school and work, which takes up most of our lives. Yeah. I by, by the time we're dead, that was, that's what took up most of it. Which is... Something. And that's implying we lived until we were like 80. Right. Yeah. Oof. I mean, I also just mm, the 40 hour work week is just so sad for me. But that's that's a whole other conversation. Another thing that I really hope that we keep uh, in society is the, the, the concept of like wearing a mask. Do I think we always forever need to have masks on? No, hopefully. I will be wearing a mask on the subway forever from now on. Right, like things like that. Or if you have a cold, uh if you are feeling a little a little sniffly, got a little bit of a cough, wear a mask forever, please. Don't do not like I will never again accept someone being all up in my personal space coughing without a mask on. I'm gonna start carrying them in my purse even after this this panorama is over. All right, and I'm gonna hand them out like candy to anyone who starts coughing or sneezing near me. Like, no, there is no. We have seen what masks can do. It also is clear that it was such an adjustment when this whole thing started that people like, you know, every flu season, people are like, make sure you wash your hands and cover your mouth and blah 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 blah. Mm-hmm. I don't think I realize how dumb people are and how bad at hygiene they are mm-hmm. because once this whole like prior to the lockdown and prior to masks, just the concept of like cleaning all these surfaces and starting to create time and spacing and social distancing and just frequent use of hand sanitizer. I saw how much people were struggling with that and how like people were running to get hand sanitizer because they didn't have any. 
And I was so bamboozled because, again, cancer co-parent here. Mm -hmm. I'm used to taking all those measures 24-7 just so, like, my goddaughter is safe. (laughs) So, you know, it kind of, it was almost a little satisfying to see people have to come into the world of a of people who take care of sick people. Mm-hmm. Um, you're like, yeah, this should be happening all the time. Why aren't you washing your hands? Why are you touching food and like not washing your food when you get home? It just, hopefully people just become better at hygiene and basic social practices now. Yeah. Let's keep up the hygiene. Um, let's keep up the being nice to people. Um, and not being in my personal bubble. Yeah. Super yes. here for that. I really I'm I'm not mad at any of that kind of stuff like I will probably like the one time I was in the city for a little bit during pandemic things and I had to take the subway I had like a little pack of like um hand cleaning wipes that I used to hold like the little the subway pole and I think I at bare minimum I will definitely always have a pack of wipes like that in my purse from like, because that just seems like such a better way to like live life. I, I don't like getting a cold. No one does. <laughs> um, it just feels like, you know, let's, let's keep up the hygiene. I like the hygiene part. <laughs> <laughs> I do too. Um, one thing I definitely do want to talk about in general is just the ways, like I mentioned how COVID disproportionately affected um, specifically communities of color. Mm-hmm. Um, we went to school in the Bronx. So that is my clearest like example of understanding. Right. Um, and, you know, just you can even see it too now, like now that we're past so much of the surge, but more into people are starting to get vaccinated. Even, even in this state, like, there are far fewer people of color getting vaccinated. Like, I believe it's somewhere around 5%. I mean, yeah. that statistic is probably a little old now when I heard it, but, it's you know. probably still around there. Um, we've actually, one of my classes is like a public health uh, type course. Why am I taking a public health class? I couldn't tell you. It just, it sounded interesting. I didn't that realize it was going to be mostly like in the medical field, but you know what? It's good to broaden one's horizons. Um, and we've been talking about this a lot. And there are some people in my class who have like direct experience um, in like the health field and a big issue with the, at least with vaccine distribution um, is that it is also being done in a way that disproportionately affects communities of color. Um, like I know in the Bronx, they had to open, I think they opened Yankee Stadium is the one that they made it so that only Bronx residents could get the vaccine. Like you have to have a Bronx address. You have to prove that you live there um, so that you can be vaccinated. And this isn't just happening in like New York, I've been seeing a bunch of stuff on Twitter where people are like, a lot of communities of color don't even realize that these vaccination sites are being opened in their neighborhoods because you can open a site and you can say it's for this community. But if you're not doing outreach to said community, um, then people are going to come in from other zip codes, which is what is happening a lot, uh, to take up these vaccines because no one wants them. There were air quotes there for the listeners. Um, when in reality, like 
is there a bit of hesitancy in certain communities? Absolutely, because there is a track record of the American government mistreating marginalized people. Uh, but there is also just like a lack of proper communication. Uh, it's it's really an issue. I think overall, um, it's just a, a perfect way, this pandemic has been a perfect way to highlight that systematic issue of people of color and mm-hmm. uh, and poverty because the people that need the help the most, the people that need the stimulus checks, the per- people that need the unemployment, the access to vaccinations, the, you know, those are the people that are not getting the help. Um, and I mean, this is just unsurprising. Yeah. But again, this pandemic has illuminated this systematic issue that a lot of people, you know, just try to pretend isn't happening because it's not happening to, the, happening to them um, or their friends, their family. But if you live in the city, especially, you know, there's so many issues of this and it can be such a long conversation because, you know, Fordham, I mean, I, I'm, I haven't been in college since this has half, like come back from lockdown. So I don't know personally, but what I've seen from other Fordham students is that, you know, these college kids come back and they're not wearing masks and they're having big gatherings and these parties and therefore exposing communities of color and poor people in the Bronx to COVID Mm -hmm. because these rich privileged white kids want to party. And I think, I mean, and that is super not just uh, Fordham, although it's a great example, but this is happening all over the country um, because a lot of colleges, a lot of well-to-do colleges are in poor neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. And it's just so disproportionate of the care that poor people and people of color are able to access versus those wealthy people and typically white people. Yeah. That is the one thing about Fordham, not just Fordham, but college culture in general. And I do think it, not to like have a benefit of the doubt kind of attitude, but I do, did I say that right? I don't know. Um, like at the beginning of this whole pandemic thing, it was there was a lot of this mindset floating around that, oh, I'm young, I'm healthy, that's uh, like, I'm not gonna get it. Like we're not gonna get it. Like it's other people need to worry. And I don't know how we could have combated that earlier on better. Like I I don't know what the solution could have been, but I feel like. I would hypothesize that if we had a better way to be like, no, 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 this is literally everyone. It will knock you off your ass, no matter what age, no matter what race, no matter what comorbidities you have or don't have, you need to be worried and you need to be cautious. I feel like that would have helped a little bit. And I feel like we would have less of this crazy, like, oh, I'm young. I can go to Florida for spring break and party in the streets. Well, because those things are basically relying on the fact that people have empathy and feel the need for their social responsibilities. And you're seeing it again with 
like, yeah, maybe it was masks at first and not gathering in big parties and stuff like that, indoor gatherings. Um, and now it's the vaccine. There is social responsibility to others, even if you are healthy. And like, even if that part's true, that you can't get it, mm -hmm. which is not, that's not factually correct at all. You can still be healthy 20 something and pass away very quickly. Um, but there is a social responsibility to protect your grandmas and protect other people's grandmas and immunocompromised people. You know, mm -hmm. I was furious in the beginning. I'm like, really? You're not going to you're not going to wear a mask because you don't care if my goddaughter dies? Because she has no immune system. So if you get COVID or asymptomatic and come near her, she will die. And it's just the lack of social responsibility and the lack of humanity that people felt. Um, I think that was very exposed as well as on a positive note, a lot more people were starting to acknowledge those types of things and okay. starting to be like, no, protect our elderly, protect our immunocompromised. We need to do that. You know, the, the herd mentality. Um, and I think that is an encouraging um, way to go about vaccinations and yes, hopefully I that agree. perpetuates into most people getting vaccinated, although the people who are not getting vaccinated tend to be from a whole separate issue. Um, it's the same people who are, and this is not an Aaron idea. This is not a, this is, this is a thing that people who are the same people that don't believe in the 2020 election results mm -hmm. are the same people fueling the vaccination as not safe and not correct, you know, and you really need to do your research. And I mean, I've been vaccinated for quite some time now. Um, yeah, I was in the early, the earlier terms, you know, it's, it's nothing to be afraid of. Of course, we don't know the long-term effects, but we don't know the long-term effects of it. Most things. <laughs> so. Correct. And the long-term effects of COVID are looking like they are probably a, a lot, lot worse <laughs> than anything you'll get from a vaccine. And I also got it. I am a black queer woman and I have been vaccinated. You can be vaccinated too. Yeah, Kimona. She did it. I did the thing. Uh, yeah. So focus on community care. I think that's like the biggest takeaway here. I think, yeah, I think, I think even within sharing our stories and our experience and what we've observed, um, that that's kind of the overarching theme that we've been most frustrated by and the most hurt by, mm -hmm. um, as well as, you know, what we want to see into the future uh, is this sense of community and taking care of one another and, you know, becoming better humans, healthier humans. Um, we, we don't want something like this to happen again. Yeah. Uh, we want to be better prepared. And, you know, I, I don't want my kids or my grandkids to go through this. Yeah. But, I mean, there's, of course, a million things that we could have talked about and wanted to talk about and can probably talk about again at some point. I think what's important is that in this, you know, in the short amount of time that we have here is that we do share what we try to do here on this podcast is talk from personal experience and talk from our own lenses. We, of course, are not people who were significantly impacted by COVID, um, is what I want to say. You know, we weren't nurses and we weren't 
you know, on the front lines for a lot of this and we weren't, we didn't lose anyone that we loved. Yeah. So I think our experience is certainly different. We didn't really want to talk on that too much. But there's certainly things that we've learned from New York State Governor Cuomo. And there's just (laughs) so much there. And just the culture of BMI and vaccinations and so much more we could have talked about in terms of disproportionate um, effects of COVID on communities of color. But yeah, so much has happened in this last year. We certainly could not have talked about it all in 45 minutes. Um, but yeah, is there any last things you want to say before we wrap up this episode, Kimona? Uh, keep up the good hygiene. Remember, we're still <laughs> in a pandemic. Yeah, it's uh, not even, over. It's not over. And even if you're vaccinated, you, you can't just like walk around without a mask. So don't think that. Uh, maybe don't forge... Uh, medical documents because I've seen some people trying to be like oh, I'm going to make a fake vaccine card don't do that I heard that too yeah that's messed up and wrong and also like illegal and if I find you doing that I will report you to the authorities even though I'm very much like low-key high-key ACAB so like I will fight I will fight you um, follow us on Instagram and Twitter guys <laughs> <laughs> did you like my segue it was not a yes, segue. It it's popping it's popping we, we love the social media presence um, our website show notes all the things yeah you know yeah. where to find us do the thing you do the thing if you don't know just google rebels advocate pod and we do come up yeah yeet. Um, yeah so that's our recap of the last year i suppose (laughs) as best as we could um so hopefully you resonated with a lot of the things that we've said and we'd love to hear your experiences and if you have something to add honestly i would love to have a podcast guest who had a different experience than us so Mm -hmm. if you had a different experience maybe lost somebody lost a job lost a small business was a frontline um, worker yeah, anything like that, and you want to talk about it. Um, we have reached out to people before, but not everyone is ready uh, emotionally to verbalize that. Um, and we very much respect that. But if you want to talk about it, we would love to continue this conversation and potentially have you on the podcast. So please, please, please reach out. Um, if you have our personal information or DM us on Instagram or on Twitter, or even email us at Rebels Advocate pod at gmail.com we have a million ways to reach us and we really really want to hear from you um so yeah (laughs) that's my extension to you dear rebels um yeah so that's it from us we will see you well you'll hear from us rather yeah in a silly phrase (laughs) you'll hear from us that sounds like they're in trouble you're not in trouble you'll hear from me (laughs) you'll hear from me i swear it on tuesday every week. (laughs) Bye. Bye.